history of nearly everything, Bill Bryson points out that if you took each one of us apart, atom by atom, you'd end up with a pile of dust that had no meaning and no story. But for a little window of time, we all get to be here, and we get to be us. Mm. And the forces that flow into those lives and flow out of them and the stories we make and experience during the time are unique and beautiful. And what we're trying to do here on What Are You Reading is to examine those through the lens of literature. We're really thankful for our guest today. Um, Tim's going to introduce her in just a minute. We're also thankful for the community of listeners and readers who have uh, spoken into this podcast. Um, each episode, we want to um, do one of our reader recommendations. So uh, a good friend of mine, uh, Becky Talbot, has been listening. Even though it's such an Atlanta-focused podcast, uh, she's been listening from Florida. Um, and um, Becky wanted to share this book recommendation, so I'll just read what she said. I spent most of 2017 reading Middlemarch. It mm. seems a little superfluous to say that a classic novel was really, really good, but honestly, <laughs> it's everything I'd want in a sprawling novel. Characters who are interesting at the outset and still develop in surprising ways, lines that I want to write down immediately, and the feeling that my own perspective has been challenged and unsettled. Mm. And it's all about ambition, always a fascinating subject to look up to look at up close. So thanks, Becky Talbot, for that recommendation. Yeah, thanks. The book is uh, Middle March. And thank you. She put that feeling very well about, like, whenever you're reading, like, a classic work and you're asked, like, hey, how is War and Peace? And you're like, <laughs> you don't really have much else to say other than, like, it's great, but you feel yeah. weird saying it's great because it's a classic. Like, yeah. I don't know. I always feel weird. Like, I feel like I have to have more, something yeah. more concrete than that, but <laughs> it's really good. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I've been writing I've been writing Goodread, Goodreads reviews yeah. on of every book I read this year. And, like, when I read, like, a canonical book, I'm like, oh, I'm going to sound like an idiot considering all the <laughs> things that have been said. But, yeah, that's a good review. Too, so. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Becky. And uh, uh, we're really, really, really excited uh, for um, our current guest. I think you were um, even one really short on that. Yeah. Oh, see, I did it. Ah, <laughs> doing it again, even with guests. How do you describe a guest? They're really great. Oh, really, man. really, really great. No. <laughs> but uh, we have with us uh, Native American author, speaker, worship leader, Caitlin Curtis. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you. I'm so excited to be here. And I think your name was dropped during our Amina Brown episode uh, a few back. And that's actually how I even found out you lived here in Atlanta for the longest time. I, I don't know. I just didn't think you lived here. I followed you on Twitter <laughs> and I'm like, every once in a while I'll be like, man, should be cool to have on, but not in Atlanta, you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> in Canada, I don't know. <laughs> no, and then she mentioned something about meeting up with you in Decatur and I was like, oh my goodness, so I kind of made a little mental note. And it might have been that day <laughs> I got into, I, I can't remember how, if through your website or whatever, yeah. but it might have been the same day I like reached out just to see like, hey, what is any <laughs> interest? And so thank you so much for being here. I'm glad everything worked out for yeah, you, Yeah, this is great. Um, you wrote a book. Okay, I feel really bad. It was published in 2017, right? It's yeah, very yeah, new. Yeah, like in November. Brand new. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, I thought so. Yeah, not long. But uh, I'm you, and the only reason I ask is is I'm usually way behind. I usually, if I'm reading something brand new, I'm kind of surprised that I am. Like, yeah. I think Ian and I, we both, like, we hardly ever read, like, current. Right. <laughs> like, newly, you know, freshly released yeah. books. But um, I was able to read your book. And uh, can you tell us, okay, so the title is Glory Happening. Mm-hmm. And I'm really excited. I always like to ask, like, the inciting incident or what. Can you first tell us a brief kind of synopsis, the general idea, I guess, of the book? But then also, yeah. what was, like, a was there a specific moment that kind of made you really think, oh, I need, really need to write about this? Or was it kind of a series of moments over time yeah. that really inspired you to, to put that book together? 
Um, yeah, so so the, the full title is Glory Happening, um, Finding the Divine in Everyday Places. And basically, it's it's 50 stories from my life. So in each chapter, mm. I just drop you into a story, and you're just, like, <laughs> there swimming in it. Just, like, you know, I wanted to write something where you got all of, you know, you had all the things I was feeling and experiencing, all this, the senses um, of that moment. And then I wanted people to be able to read those stories and have it remind them of their own moments of, mm-hmm. in life. And and then each chapter ends with a prayer as a reflection um, of that story. And, um, you know, I've always loved storytelling, so it was kind of the perfect first book for me. Um, it basically started as journal entries. I just was writing these stories down from my life. I was remembering things, and I was, um, at the time, I I had just kind of come back to my um, Potawatomi culture. I, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I grew up kind of in and out of my culture, and as an adult, um, I was kind of coming back to it again, and um, in a way that I never have before, in mm-hmm. a way that was like really leaning into it, trying to learn uh, my tribe's language, learn our stories, learn our culture, teach it to my kids, and and also at the same time, I was discovering um, like the mystic, uh, the mystics in the Christian tradition. So kind of both of those coming together was like a really cool thing because they actually That's go awesome. together really well. Um, you know, Franciscan theology, Richard Rohr, like all of um, Thomas Merton, all these ideas just um, kind of coming together inside of me. And so the book was really born out of that. Um, I don't mention, you know, being Native American a lot in mm-hmm. it because I it was just more... I just wanted people to um, experience the stories without the dialogue around the story. You know, I just yeah. wanted those pieces of my life. Um, we were living in the, a tiny apartment. My husband's working on his PhD. So he like, you know, is just standing in the kitchen, typing, <laughs> working. And our two little boys are running around. We have a giant husky. And, you know, it's just like, you know, a very normal, chaotic life. But at the mm-hmm. same time, there are these moments where I was just like, um, in awe of being still and I'm not very good at being still I never have been so it was like this time in my life where all of a sudden I was just really ready to sit still for a while and that's so awesome. I would write these stories out of that space and that's kind of how it was born so yeah, really on awesome. your blog there's this great uh, uh, I found it personally resonant I'm a runner so I have the stillness problem so I go out and run and it's kind of my way of being still mm-hmm. while working really hard <laughs> feeling like I'm doing yeah. something but there was a story of like an encounter with a deer on yeah. your blog. Yeah. And uh it was like it was like where you were just with another creature both being yeah. in a shared space. Mm. Um I thought of that when you mentioned the 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 sense of just being still. It's yeah. yeah. It's difficult to accomplish. Yeah. So did you now with the the book idea did that come as you were writing these journal entries or did you kind of find yourself with just this mass of like reflections and we're like, I really, did you really want to do something with it? Or was it kind of in the middle of the process that you realized you were onto something, you're you're doing something? I I had written uh, maybe 30 of the 50 stories and I was like, you know, I could just put each of these on my blog, you know, and I was like, but maybe (laughs) there's something else. And then, um, and I do the dishes when I can't sit still. Uh, And that's the thing there, I can use my mind, but yeah. We don't have a dishwasher, so we literally have to do the dishes all the time. Um, but uh, so there's always dishes to do. But it is it is like a a space for me to just think and pray yeah. and be still. Um, and I was doing the dishes one day, and and I was like, these stories are all for my life, but what are they? What's the thread? What's the thing that's tying them all together? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And then I was like, I don't know why. I thought of the word glory, the glory of yeah. God, and I was like, what's the definition of that word? 
because uh, I really like looking up definitions. So yeah. I looked it up and, um, you know, the definition was so much more simple than growing up. I always like the glory of God was this very like majestic thing, mm-hmm. not not these like everyday things that are yeah. that are small. Um, and so when I realized like, you know, glor- something that's glorious can be something that's just beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like it can be as simple as that. And I was mm-hmm. like, well, then you know, that's what it is. <laughs> so yeah. then, um, yeah. the book just became that, you know? So, yeah, yeah. that's awesome. I, I like the way you, like you said already, kind of like drop, dropping people in into these scenes without a lot of like dialogue around it. It's just kind of placing you in, but then helping that, the reader being aware, like paying attention to surroundings, paying attention mm-hmm. to their own. I don't know. I, I thought after, as I was reading, granted part of it, I was sick and not feeling well anyways. And so I had to be still, but uh, helping me kind of be more aware of like little things that may be like, you know, they don't stand out because yeah, I'm kind of the same as you, but I, I can't sit still. I can't. So like, Mm -hmm. if I'm sick, I'm like angry (laughs) because I'm just like laying there, but, uh, but kind of like that twist of like appreciating the stillness and appreciating the small things. And I would notice things that I don't know if I'd ever I would had ever picked on previously because right. of that, and so that was I thought that was really great. That's great. So you um, mentioned kind of two streams that come came together in your life, and then became mm-hmm. uh, the book, um, sort of your indigenous heritage, and then uh, also your Christian faith. Was there hmm. was there one that sort of predated the other in terms of your thinking about like how you made sense of your life and spirituality? And then uh, you mentioned Thomas Merton and Teresa of Avila and the yeah. Christian mystics. Um, as you were like uh, negotiating those two mm-hmm. worlds that were feeding into your life, uh, was there tension you had to work through? Were there certain people who helped you mm. reconcile right. those two streams of thought? So I grew up Southern Baptist. So, okay. so um, I grew up in Oklahoma <laughs> and in Oklahoma... You know, some some of the tribes, um, like we've been assimilated for so long that mm-hmm. you just, yeah. you know, some people don't really talk about it a lot. Or you totally. know you're you know you're native, you know you you're part of this a certain tribe, but mm-hmm. maybe you don't know your tribe's stories or your history or your culture like super well. That's kind of that's I think how it was for me. Like I knew we were Potawatomi, I knew we were enrolled members of the tribe, I knew I was part of something, but beyond that, I didn't know much. So my my Christian faith was much more. You know, I know I'm a Christian. I know why. I know all these things. Yeah. I also know I'm native, but that's all I know, really. <laughs> you know, and there was like nothing yeah. beyond that. And yeah. um, so as an adult now, yes, reconciling those things is what I do on a daily basis. And mm-hmm. and like I said earlier, um, reading about Franciscan theology helped me find a space within the church that would accept my nativeness. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, so much of the church as we know it in America is a colonized institution. So mm-hmm. it is actually the institution that first colonized indigenous people. I mean, that's like, yeah. they, they came and said, you're savage. You're not, you know, you're not Christians. Let yeah. us show you, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. we will convert you. And so, yeah. you know, from the very beginning, that's what it's been. So for me, the tension is more with colonized Christianity than with, for me, who Jesus actually is, which is yeah. not, a colonizer um yeah Yeah. so so yeah i've you know it's helped me to have conversations about race with um people of color and to listen to their stories and find myself having some of those experiences as well when i didn't have them growing up because you know we were just kind of a white southern baptist family and i wasn't 
you know, paying mm-hmm. attention to that other part of who I was. I wasn't, you know, it wasn't being pointed out to me that this is important. So it wasn't, yeah. you know, it was important, but it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't an everyday part of our life. This right. is how you you will struggle. This is what this means, you know. So now, yeah, yeah it's it's a lot of constant tension, but it's bringing to the light a conversation that I think is really important, you know. Yeah. So. yeah. And you also lead lead music, right? Um, yeah, I, I led worship um, uh, until July. So I was working at a church for okay. about a year, and I was the worship leader there. But I, um, like at our new church, I'm about to start leading and singing again. So leading worship has always been what I do in the church. You know, it's kind of my the thing that I do. Yeah. Um, and I, re- I, I need it, you know, to feel connected and feel like I'm using the gift that I, you know, that I have. Um so doing that again in a new church will be really interesting with all of this other stuff that's kind of inside of me all yeah. the time. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Has that, has that, I mean, you wrote about it a little bit on your blog also, but how has that, how has that, um, you talk about decolonizing mm-hmm. worship. How does that yeah. show up in your work? You know, I, it's funny yeah. for the past year or so, I write a lot of my, my uh, blog posts like right after or during church, because that's uh, the yeah. time when I'm sitting there like, trying to figure out how I'm feeling about everything yeah, at that moment. Yeah. <laughs> so then I just process, you know. Um, yeah, I, I don't think that in the typical American, you know, predominantly white church, we think about the, the words that we're using in our music. Yeah. And I didn't totally. when I was growing up. I didn't, you know, I was, I was Southern Baptist through and through, like, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, yeah. I don't look native, I look white, you know, so it wasn't like, I've been comfortable in the church my whole life, super comfortable, yeah. the poster child of Southern Baptists. And, <laughs> and so I've always loved worship music and it never occurred to me that we would need to, um, change the language to make it more inclusive. So now, mm-hmm. now as I'm, you know, understanding my own identity better, um, you know, kind of sitting in those spaces and like analyzing like you know what it, mm-hmm. what do you mean by this phrase or what does this phrase really mean or what does um even like things like the the um the lord's prayer or like just all like all of these old um you know parts of the church that we mm-hmm. have always had i'm like what like what does it mean to me now and <laughs> how do i look at that as a yeah. as an indigenous person you know so yeah 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 i remember having a similar i can't i mean i don't know how long ago this was but um that that moment where like something turned where like we were listening to praise and worship and i just kind of realized like i don't actually think that and it, and it started simple like you know lord in all i do i whatever and i'm like i don't that's not true at all. Like, and I felt I couldn't sing <laughs> I it because name it, at least yeah. three things I do where it's not it's, at all. Exactly. <laughs> like, I'm like, I, I realized, noticed things, but then it went from like, then it kind of went from that, but then to also like, oh well, we're singing about like, you know, something Victoria or like, yes. you know, there's no lament, yes. and I'm like, I can say that yes. maybe, right. but can you know, right. this friend of mine, three three people down. Um, he, he, that's not accurate for him. Right. And so it kind of like started with me, like, oh, I, I don't think that I love God as much as that praise song wants me to say I do. <laughs> and then, then it went from like, oh, we're, we're not all great because of this or that. Like yeah. we're not, things aren't right. great. And so, and then it kind of just continued more from nowhere. Right. Like now it, yeah. t- it has turned into this thing where like, I'm, I'm now, ha- I can't, can't not be aware of, mm-hmm. of what we're singing and what we're thanking God yeah. for. And it's like, yeah. Uh, is that really the case? Is that really our reality? Or are we just saying it because it sounds yeah, pretty? Yeah, right, right, you know, right. Pretty words. So. Yeah. Yeah. Let's dig in a little bit on on the books. Um, some of the, yeah. some of the yeah. writers and thinkers you mentioned. 
what were some particular thinkers that you read on your journey to sort of, uh, to sort of like particular Christian mystics and then what they added to your thinking on who you are yeah. as a Christian in today's world? So in, in Glory Happening, um, at the beginning of each chapter, there's a quote from a book mm-hmm. that I enjoy. And my hope with that was that people would, um, you know, if they want to read more similar pieces, they can go and read those books. But mm-hmm. it ranged from like, <laughs> I think I quoted like The Hobbit and, you know, like it was like all over the place be <laughs> because that's what I wanted. But, you know, so whatever you want to read, just yeah, find cool. the quote. Um, yeah. So um, I had been reading uh, particularly Barbara Brown Taylor and Brennan Manning and Thomas Merton Um those were some of the people that, that as I was starting to write the book, they, I was reading them. And Barbara Brown Taylor especially, um, she, you know, her because she's a storyteller too. And so me reading reading her stories, it was like, you know, helping me find my own voice in, in storytelling. And, and mm-hmm. she's just a beautiful person. And um, her writing is so inclusive and, and just a kind – like she's just a very kind writer. And I wanted to write like that. And so um, – so her style of writing and her books really um, mean a lot to me. And, you know, Brennan Manning is just brilliant and also a kind voice, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So many of these voices that are, they're just like there to like lead you yeah. gently, you know. Like they're they're so radical in what they're saying, but at the same time, like the voice that they use is such a like gentle, you know, like you can do this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and I just really appreciate that. Um. And like I said, Richard Rohr, of course. Um, he endorsed your book, is that yes. right? Yeah. Yes, That's he awesome. did. Um, Brian McLaren, you know, I read his stuff. He endorsed the book as well. Um, yeah, just really amazing people that I've even, you know, encountered in the last few years that I just didn't, I didn't know about them growing up. Or mm-hmm. um, The mystic tradition is very new to me anyway. So there's there's so much that I haven't read yet and, yeah. and don't know yet. So I've just, yeah. ba- I mean, I think it's like barely the tip of the iceberg <laughs> for me. Um, but I'm, that makes me really excited because I know there's so much more, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. That's awesome. Was there also literature in terms of your Potawatomi heritage or was most of that by asking people you knew? How did, how did you sort of start that oh, exploration? Wow. Yeah. Um, well in, um, kind of as I was writing the book, it's been cool. I've been, um, finding books, you know, anywhere like at Goodwill there, yeah. you know, they're like collections yeah. of native stories, um, so it's not my, some of them are my tribe, um, but they're just also na- other native stories. And so like if, if my boys and I are reading, you know, the Bible's creation story, we'll also read our tribe's creation story alongside it, you know, and talk about how those, those pieces of literature are the same or how they're mm-hmm. different or how, you know, and he's like, how can they both be true? And I'm like, I don't know, maybe they're not, you know, like <laughs> just all those questions that, you know, that you have to ask totally. and it's okay to ask. Um, yeah. And so... Yeah, my tribe, um, we have some of our stories recorded. Um, I'm learning a lot of them through reading and online because I don't live near my tribe, um, mm-hmm. which is hard. So so I'm missing a lot of that. Um, and so a lot of it is online, but that also is, there's a huge piece missing when you can't actually like be with your people, you know? And yeah, so, totally. yeah. so yeah, that's something that I'm still, I'm looking forward to being in places where um, I can interact with mm-hmm. um, people who are yeah. Potawatomi or um, Anishinaabe, which is um, also like a, a tribal group that my tribe is kind of a part of. A lot mm-hmm. of those yeah. people are in Canada, um, like yeah. First Nations people. Mm-hmm. But they're the Ojibwa tribe, like in Minnesota, is also 
really similar to my tribe. So I can mm. read the like Ojibwa stories, which are a lot more e- um, easily accessible. Mm-hmm. And that's really helpful too, to kind of have things that are similar that I can learn from, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, but all of them help. They help my writing and they help my faith. You know, they all awesome. play a big part of that. It's not, you know, I don't feel like, like I said earlier, the only friction I feel is with this in our society, especially anyway, yeah. with the race conversations we're having and the church conversations we're having, but <laughs> all of that, you know, but it's, it's good to have it, you know, it's good to be aware of it. So have you found, have you found, um, have you found helpful communities in terms of thinking and growing, um, into native identity here in Atlanta, or do you feel like you're kind of on your own out here? <laughs> yeah, I haven't found many people mm. in Atlanta. Um, yeah. You know, Atlanta is um, Muscogee Creek land yeah. originally, and um, uh, yeah, I just haven't, you know, I haven't really, yeah. like, the community's not here anymore, mm-hmm. you know, and if yeah. it is, it's going to be a little more dispersed maybe. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so I've had a hard time finding uh, finding anybody, and you have people, you know, who are like, oh yeah, my grandma's Cherokee. I'm like okay. <laughs> I was I was thinking right. about that this morning before Thanks. this conversation. Um, Everyone's a tenth something. Yeah, <laughs> that's a very and that's really not helpful when you meet a Native American. Yeah. Just maybe don't say that. Unless you're like you know enrolled in like unless you really know or like it's you know it's yeah, just yeah, totally. it's not always helpful. But it's that it's that sense of like well aren't you know how can we it's it's in a spirit of like connecting but yeah it's not always super helpful if it's (laughs) you know if there's no conversation to be had beyond that like Mm -hmm. you know yeah um but that's a that's a very popular thing i get in this part of the country (laughs) so so you mentioned you're talking about you you have two children right Mm -hmm. um how do you so now you mentioned like as far as like story time you know reading stories and incorporating stories are there other ways you incorporate kind of letting I know they're all pretty young still, right? Yeah, like, they're, yeah, four and six. Okay, yeah. So little. Mm-hmm. How, so, but is there still ways you're starting out incorporating their, you know, this sort of hit, letting them know about the history, kind of filling them in on at that age? Like, are you doing anything kind of unique or out of the ordinary to, yeah. to spur that on? Um, well, we homeschool, which is out of the ordinary in itself. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so we're able to do that with them. Yeah, you know, we yeah. have them at home with us. So, um, yeah, so I try to incorporate, I'm like, we're trying to learn <laughs> our tribe's language together, which oh, of wow. course is hard when you don't have someone to speak yeah. it with. Um, but yeah. we learn phrases, we learn words, you know, to at least have yeah. something. Um, yeah, I have, um, we, there are video, like online videos that my tribe has made for kids that are really helpful. And so, yeah. you know, songs and like things that they've done. So we, we do those a lot, like in the mornings. Um, yeah. so yeah, I'm, I'm doing it piece by piece and then as they get older I want I just want them to be rooted in who they are. I want mm-hmm. you know, my oldest son knows our creation story. He knows yeah. our tribe's story. So, you know, if someone brings up, you know, at church the creation Bible story, he'll be like, Oh, I have another one which <laughs> might make people really uncomfortable, but I'm okay with that <laughs> because yeah. we need to be uncomfortable more mm-hmm. often. Um and so <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I'm you know, that was a big part of kind of coming back to my own identity was because they need to know who they are in yeah. a way that that I didn't I didn't yeah. understand when I was young and yeah. I want them to to really know that mm-hmm. they're that they're yeah. part of Wadami, you know mm-hmm. and totally. so yeah yeah so we try to do that as much as we can That's um, awesome. yeah one thing you encourage I, I th- at least I think this was you this is I mean this is back before I got in touch or anything back um this is through Twitter I, I believe you tweeted this but this is something that really I think helped especially my wife and I and our kids um, 
I think it was around or on Thanksgiving Day. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember. I don't even know. And you may not have done this. I, I hope you did. I yeah. think you did. Um, about, um, you know, I, on Thanksgiving Day is part of the tradition also learning about the land that you're yeah. on. Yeah. And who used to live there and who owned the land. And, right. And so that was one thing that I really, I think was really special doing with our kids is part of the day we made sure. Well, first of all, like it was something like it was just a, I mean, I had a somewhat of an idea, but it was like, I can't believe I not ever thought to do this right. just personally. Right. But then also as a way of um, teaching, like teaching our kids kind of about the history of Thanksgiving and, um, but just, but doing that together, like as a family, like going and investigating and like, okay, well who lived here before us. Right. And, um, it was a really powerful, I don't know that, that really for us Good. stood out this year a lot and it was really yeah. powerful. And I don't know, it was just a special thing. I think we're going to, I mean, obviously do every year, but, um, I think it definitely spurred on this sort of uncomfortable, but like, right. okay, let's, let's really look into a lot of these yeah. things that happened in the past that we don't, we gloss over. We right. don't because it is painful and it is, um, pretty ugly yeah you know, that's happened so. yeah twitter has really surprised me because at thanksgiving i posted like here's some you know kids books you yes. can read or here mm, but yes. i did that too you know here's something you can do or if you if you need to not be overwhelmed like learn about one tribe every thanksgiving like yeah. pick a different tribe to learn about you know i don't yeah. um i don't want to i don't want to guilt people into i don't want to make people feel bad from the beginning so that they then are paralyzed by that like yeah. i I was part of the education system too, the public. Like mm-hmm. I viewed my own ancestors and other tribes as savages because I was taught that, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like there's um there's something institutionally that is broken and I don't want yeah. um I wanna approach conversations with people so that they can learn their own way of stepping out of that and yeah. you know, um and I think that a one of the best ways to do that is through education. And so mm-hmm. yeah, on Twitter it's just really cool to see people um, send me their stories of this is what I did with my kids on Thanksgiving because of mm-hmm. your thread and um, it just really surprised me and encouraged mm-hmm. me to know that people people want to to learn more they just yeah. don't always know how or where to start um, yeah. and I just I want people to not be afraid you know and be yeah. t- and to be curious and not be worried about that and to be mm-hmm. curious with their kids and with their families you know and yeah. do it together so yeah. yeah, I remember one year we go to the Christian Community Development Association <laughs> conference uh, often, and mm. Richard Twist was a, oh. a really good, yeah, the late, <laughs> um, was a really good speaker, and there was one um, at the, like, opening night, they uh, had had the tribe from that area mm-hmm. uh, come and just, like, bless the conference. <laughs> yes. And I wanted to, like, there was, like, the tears started that yeah. year. Usually, it takes a few days for me to yeah. start getting them. But that, that that was just a a beautiful thing. I was thinking about his uh, like rescuing theology from the cowboys. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, are there other are there other writers or or thinkers who like go between uh, the native and Christian communities who have helped you? Um. So mm-hmm. yeah, Richard's book. Um, Randy Woodley is a um, Cherokee uh, writer. He's um, he's actually a professor at a seminary in Washington, and mm. um, he owns a farm and like just does really awesome stuff with his wife. Um, they're re- um, really great teachers, and um, so he's been a really big encouragement for me um, to have someone to you know read his stories and and mm-hmm. find myself in them because I'm yeah, yeah I. Uh, it's it's weird coming to this as an adult you know and not and that i didn't 
come to it as a as a child or even mm. as a teenager um it's so it's like you're trying to like catch up on yeah. your life almost you know mm -hmm. and it's just but there are a lot of i've met a lot of other natives who have had the similar experience where they've kind of realized who they are as adults and mm, yeah. Yeah. and so it's like starting over again sort of and yeah. and and looking back and processing who you were and and how you grew up you know and mm -hmm. the good and the bad and all of it together you know yeah um but yeah randy woodley um he's not native but kent nurburn um wrote a book a series of books but but the first one in the series is called neither wolf nor dog and he um they made a movie out of it as well if you're interested in that but he um, basically a um, Lakota elder asks him to go on a road trip with him and so he meets this elder and the elder is he's wanting to tell he's wanting to give his stories to this man so he'll write them um, and so Kent Nurburn who is white he goes on this long road trip with this um, this elder and he writes his stories down and that mm -hmm. book um, was one of the first um, books that I read that and there's a series of three of them, but that's, that was the first one I read that I um, just saw myself in the words of the elder uh -huh. and um, in a really meaningful way. And it, there was some uh -huh. about Christianity in it, but even just the, just like the general things that I would read and I would think, oh, I'm like that. And I didn't <laughs> yeah. know it was because yeah, yeah. I was native. I just thought I was just, you know, that's just oh, who I man. was. So wow. yeah. really like interesting things that are cultural things that you don't realize are cultural, you yeah. know? Um, oh, and that man. was really cool for me. So, so the, yeah, that book shaped me a lot, um, mm -hmm. as well. And I'm still oh. learning so many, I'm still trying to find and learn from other like, um, Christian and native theological writers, but mm -hmm. it's hard to find them too. There are a yeah. lot in yeah. Canada, I think, um, in the U S I don't know, the the yeah. conversation is so silenced it, that mm -hmm. it's like, you know, for I was us to, say, to get out there. Yeah. I was going to say it's probably so hard to find because we're just not talking about yeah. it. Nobody's talking about it. No one's saying anything. Yeah. So hopefully there will be more in yeah. the next few years. And I really want to be a part of that. But but yeah, yeah. I'm I'm taking recommendations from anybody. <laughs> like I, there are so many more books I have. Like I have a long list that I haven't gotten to yet that I'm so excited to read. Um, uh, awesome. But yeah, I'm a slow reader. <laughs> Takes some time. So yeah. Well, we want to we want to thank her, Caitlin for joining us today, and thank you for yeah. your conversation. Your book is called Glory Happening, um, and uh, as always, we want to thank Atlanta Vintage Books. I think uh, I think they've provided a home for this podcast that's really valuable. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, the, we're here in the metaphysical reading room. Um, <laughs> yes, and, uh, the energy coming off these books is just you got to feel it. You got to come here and the feel secret. it as soon as you. Which can. I have yeah. to say, I I bought <laughs> a book true. from this room. That uh, of an individual that endorsed uh, Caitlin's book, Richard Rohr. Oh, really? I bought a book yeah. that was I just randomly found From among the the bookshelves. So there's yeah. you know. he should be in this room. That's a good place <laughs> for him. So, anyways, but yeah, we we've I feel like there's a there's a nice little podcast you know audio, online community. But here, if you really want like a physical community, yeah. come to AVB. Mm -hmm. It's a pretty special place. So yeah, we love it. Um, and if you come in and and shop here. Um, after listening to this podcast, please just on, at checkout, just say Tim and Ian sent you. Uh, it helps us to let them know that people are coming in after hearing it, and uh, they'll give you actually a 10% discount on your yeah. purchase. So use it. <laughs> they love it. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, this, this has been uh, a season where 
we've seen some of the greats pass away. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ursula K. Le Guin uh, is a writer who is, um, I would call her a writer of the imagination, right? Yeah. She's, she believes in the imagination. She follows it where it takes her. And she has integrity <laughs> to, uh, to imagine really fully. And I've loved that about her work. We've talked about it a couple times on the mm-hmm. podcast. So today's book quote is going to come from uh, her Uh, Tim, do you want to read it? Yeah, sure. We read books to find out who we are. What other people, real or imaginary, do and think and feel is an essential guide to our understanding of what we ourselves are and may become. Thanks for listening.